Hello and thank you for logging on to the Memory Gauge, your new favourite Digimon card game podcast. I'm your host Connor and in today's episode we're starting a brand new series called Colour Theory. This is a series where we're going to take a look one by one in depth at each of the colours in the Digimon card game. We're going to be telling you exactly how they work, what the key cards are, what the aesthetics are, everything you need to know to be able to build great decks based around each of the six colours. And to help me out, I'm going to be getting on a series of guests. Today we're talking about blue and we have a great guest lined up, Sunaku, who is going to be helping us break down that colour. Before we get into that, I just wanted to mention that this coming weekend is the Evolution Cup for Oceana region. I'll be participating in that and if you want to follow along with my progress, see how we do. We're going to be chasing top eight and that War Greymon card. Please follow me on Twitter at ConnorEFMG. That's where I'm going to be live posting all of the results of each round as we go through. So if you want to keep up to date with how we go playing Imperial Dramon updated in that event, check it out at ConnorEFMG. Alright, so for our main topic today, we're starting a new series here on the Memory Gauge podcast, Color Theory, where one by one we'll be taking an in-depth look at each of the colors in the Digimon card game, how they play and what they're all about. Now obviously that's a really big job, so I'm also going to be bringing on a series of, call them maybe guest lecturers if you like, and today to help us talk about blue, we have Sanaku. Welcome to the show Sanaku, thanks for coming. Oh, thanks for inviting me. Happy to be here. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, do you want to tell everybody before we start kind of who you are and what you do with the Digimon card game? Sure. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So, yeah, uh, my name is Michael. I'm also known as Sanaku on Discord and in the Digimon community. Uh, I run the Overground YouTube channel. So that is a team of me and some friends. Uh, we're basically starting a business, and the YouTube channel was kind of a, a means to kind of launch our business and get our name out there. And uh, we primarily started as a uh, Bakugan YouTube channel, but uh, as soon as Digimon came out, we kind of pivoted focus to that because Digimon is one of my favorite franchises of all time, and uh, card games are one of my favorite pastimes of all time, so you put them together, and it's just something I could not resist, something I, I could not miss out on an opportunity to kind of promote and kind of jot, dive headfirst into. So yeah, uh, I jumped into the Digimon card game back in November and just haven't looked back. It's completely consumed my life. Please, someone help me. <laughs> uh, I don't think you're going to get much help from anybody listening to this show. I think we're all in the same boat there. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're going to be uh, the... Uh advocator to to keep going down this rabbit hole i imagine but that's fine no i i love it i i absolutely do um it's definitely one of my favorite uh hobbies that i've had in a really long time i used to actually come from Yu-Gi-Oh. that was my main card game for uh at least 15 years and i don't think i've touched it in six months because i just i've fallen completely and heads over heels with digimon and i just absolutely love this game yeah, it, it is really a great game. Um, so when I contacted you to come on to the show, I gave you your choice of any of the colors and you did pick to do blue. Do you want to explain before we start? Why why did you choose to come on and talk about blue in particular? What draws you to that color before we start? It's hard to say. Um, when the first kind of wave 
of 1.0 started trickling in. Uh, I really liked the idea of Blue, not because Blue Omni was being touted as the, the best deck at the time, but just because what Blue does is kind of very conducive of what I expect from a card game in general, where, you know, I want... Uh, to play a deck that is consistent as possible, that gives me that extra draw power, that gives me the ability to kind of control the game and control my resources. And blue is a color that comes around and has draw power, it has memory manipulation, it has kind of all that fun stuff that allow me to kind of constantly be in the driver's seat of the deck that I'm playing. I'm not like just flying by the seat of my pants. And uh, I ended up picking up Blue Omni as soon as the, the game came out, and I absolutely fell in love with the deck. It was my first competitive deck, and I actually managed in my first tournament that I ever entered. It was like a 64-man tournament. I actually took first place with the deck. And so immediately after that, I was just hooked. And then I took Blue Omni into the first two official Bandai events, and I got second place back-to-back -back on the same weekend. So that was super really excited, too. And at that point, I was just like, you know what? Blue's the color for me. And since then, I've been constantly experimenting and kind of working on figuring out the next best blue deck or how other decks can uh, manipulate or take advantage of the blue engine as well. And so every time I have an opportunity to kind of put blue cards into a deck, if it's not a fully blue deck already, I, I will absolutely jump at that chance. Awesome. Well, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk a bit about that. Um, firstly, though, you mentioned Digimon is one of your favorite franchises, so I'm hoping you've got some um, some insight here. You know, it is a Digimon card game, and although the mechanics are really cool, one of the best parts about it is that you get to play with the really, really cool Digimon. So in Blue, it's a bit different in this card game to other card games, the way they divvy up the Digimon, but what tends to be the aesthetics and the Digimon that you find in the blue color for those people who maybe are looking more for the flavor than for the mechanics? So I've found that you're going to find primarily... Uh kind of aquatic-themed Digimon in blue. And not only that, you can kind of take that a step further and kind of talk about, like, Digimon that use, like, ice elemental powers or kind of draw on that aspect as well. Uh, and you also get a lot of Digimon that are kind of, uh, like, dragon-like almost. Uh, because, you know, if we tie dragon into the uh, mythology of, you know, being a, a water creature or um, protecting the, the waters in Japan as well, so you're going to see a lot of things like the Gomamon line, you know, Joe's partner Digimon. Uh, you're going to see a lot of the Gabumon line with uh, Matt because they're, you know, themed in ice as well. And in terms of like the, the dragon themes, you're going to see a lot of things like Vimon or, you know, up until the uh, the Imperial Dramon line as well. Yeah, some, some really cool, uh, no pun intended, Digimon that you can get in blue. I love the Vimon line personally, one of my absolute favorite lines. So uh, for when uh, 1.5 came around, I'd, I was red mainly in 1.0, but I definitely pivoted over to blue just because I love Vimon and that whole line, and that's where it was. So, you know, sometimes... Well, it's, it's funny because... Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, I was but, just, uh, just going to say... I've been talking over the top of each other now. You go. You're the guest. People want to hear from you. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that I, I played Imperial pretty much like yeah. 70% of more. And I'm still playing it to this day. Every competitive event I've entered has been with Imperial Dramon. And everyone keeps asking me, is that just your, your favorite deck? And I'm like, honestly, I think so at this point. <laughs> so it's it's funny you mentioned that, yeah. Yeah, that deck is a lot of fun. So moving on to the mechanics now. What are some of the main mechanics that people are going to find in blue? What is blue sort of trying to do in the game? So as I mentioned earlier, blue is kind of the one color that's the most kind of conducive or indicative of what you want to expect from a, a very consistent and thorough 
deck when it comes to any if if you kind of look at TCGs in a vacuum, you want draw power, you want abilities to manage your resources, you want ability to take away options from your opponent. And blue's one of those colors that we call it the advantage color among my circle of friends because that's exactly what it does. It aims to just generate the most advantage and board presence than any other color I find. Uh, and it does this through three specific means. Uh, that's the way to manipulate your memory. So you have, you know, cards like Hammer Spark, for example, that is just like the most infamous notorious blue card probably out there and then you have so many other cards that can help you manipulate your memory or gain memory back like leo mon was a very big card in 1.0 as well just to throw a specific example um but then you've also got the ability to uh have more draw power blue has probably the most draw power excuse me than any other color in the game right now and uh we kind of saw that right out of the gate with the uh, 1.0 gabumon you know the on play just draw one Right, no other color had that at any given point in time, and even so, we're not seeing a lot of other colors get Digimon like that until just recently with Pulsemon and Yellow. And then Blue has a lot of uh, level two uh, baby Digitama Digimon that help you get additional draw power as well. And uh, the third thing that Blue really excels at, and this is in terms of like controlling the board and controlling your opponent's resources, is that they have a lot of disruption cards uh, in terms of both returning things to the hand by setting your opponent back in tempo and um, taking away your opponent's Digivolution sources. So you kind of strip them from those uh, abilities to have very powerful inheritable effects. Yeah, and to the to the Digivolution card stripping, do you think that with uh, Digiverse coming into the game and becoming very popular, do you think that that's maybe a bit more powerful now than it was in 1.0, 1.5, that effect? Digibursting in general, or the ability to take well, advantage ability of cards to, without sources? The ability to um, get rid of your opponent's sources, which I guess is removing another resource they might be using if they're trying to digiburst. I, I, I think so, because blue has a lot of very powerful cards that give you advantage based on your opponent having something without a source. So now with digibursting, what you're doing is that you're basically telling your opponent, I have these cards. If you want to play into my powerful effects, you need to continue to play the game and actually you're going to do the work for me, which is actually very powerful. So although a lot of the Digiburst effects that we're seeing in modern BT4 format and beyond are very, very powerful in the context of how it faces up against a blue deck specifically, it actually greatly helps them achieve their end goal much faster. Awesome. Um, so we've talked about how Blue Omni was kind of the deck to beat very early on, and even now, a couple of sets on, we're still seeing a lot of Blue being played. What are some of the strengths of Blue? What is it really good at when it comes to an actual game, I guess, is the... As mentioned previously, yeah, we're going to get a lot of, like, repeating lines here, but oh, um, right. Blue Strengths... Yeah, no, no, but Blue Strengths, they're basically just come from card advantage. Um I've never played a game with a blue deck where I never always have like between eight and nine cards in hand at any point in time. I just, I always feel like I have a very comfortable hand size. I never feel like I'm struggling to find cards. I'm always drawing cards very consistently and, and, and concurrently throughout the match to the point where I can string different draws together to constantly refill my hand if I do need to play multiple cards out as well. So I, I like that strength about blue specifically uh because you can just kind of keep ahead of your opponent because you always have resources to respond which is very very important especially in a again looking at tcgs in a vacuum you always want to have the ability to uh respond or come back from whatever your opponent's doing and the ability to have that consistent draw power over and over again means that you're always going to have bullets in your hand to use when your back is against the wall 
Yeah, I think Digimon especially is a game where having responses is really, really important because we don't have much of anything that we can do on our opponent's turn. So it really is see what your opponent sets up on their turn. They're basically putting down, you know, saying, putting down their threats and saying, all right, do you have an answer for this? Do you have a response for this? If you don't, then come next turn, I'm going to just continue getting away with the game. And I guess with the draw power of blue, with that sort of disruption that blue can do, um, you'll you'll find that quite often you're going to have a response. And it may not always be the perfect response, but I've yeah, when I've been playing blue decks, Imperial Dramon especially, rarely have I felt I've had nothing to do, nothing that I can sort of put down. There's always something. But th- this does segue into blue's weaknesses as well, yeah. because while blue is very powerful at keeping that advantage and disrupting your opponent's plays, the disruptions are very soft. If if that's the best way to describe it, because yeah. if you look at something like like red, you know that guy force the the quintessential removal card, the kind of the the game has kind of just been based off of moving forward. It destroys, right? It gets rid of that threat for good. It's completely eliminated. It's you're never going to see it again. Bada boom, bada bing. You look at blue, for example, and a lot of the removal stems from returning cards to the hand. Well, powerful in its own right because you're sending your opponent back potentially in tempo you're still giving them back that resource so it's still something that you have to be mindful of and it's still something that they could potentially use against you at a later point in the game as well and i'll tell you like returning an omnimon back to your opponent's hand while it seems good on the surface you as soon as you see another level six on the board you're going ah crap (laughs) (laughs) and uh another big uh, weakness i find with blue as well is that uh, there's no real DP manipulation in the deck. So um, if your opponent can stick big bodies on board, it's very difficult for you to deal with them, and you need to rely on your disruption cards as opposed to rely on your Digimon proper. And sometimes that can get you in pretty sticky situations. Yeah, blue does not tend to be the strongest color on the board in terms of raw DP. Like, apart from Omnimon, which isn't really a blue card so much. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I guess. Well, stretching the definition there by quite a bit. But yeah, apart from that, your cards don't tend to be the strongest on the board. Mm -mm. And uh, it's like, it was really frustrating at the very beginning of 1.5 because you would have people playing green uh, just before we got our our ban list in play, right? And uh, they stuck a a cherry mon on board. Your dino bees and your pyeldramons were never getting through (laughs) because you just, you could not get over that 7,000 threshold. It was it was nuts. And like as soon as they stuck that down, you're just like, oh, man. And just you you had no real way to like get over that. You, ha- you were forced to evolve over it, which means you kind of wasted a potential swing and wasted a potential resource, right? Yeah. So that, that always was, was super frustrating. And especially now we're going into a format where, you know, 12,000 DP is no longer the number to beat. We're seeing Digimon with like, you know, 13,000, 14,000 base and that those are just numbers that blue decks just have, have a really hard time beating over. And like you said, unless they can hit that Omnimon, which again, isn't a blue card in a vacuum, but is a card that blue decks can theoretically play. Yeah. So I guess talking about the Omnimon is kind of a segue into our next topic. Depends on how you think about it. Um, what are some of the staple cards of blue? We've mentioned Hammerspark and a few other things already, but when you're building your blue deck at home, what are those cards that you look at and you have to make a decision not to include it? I guess is the definition there. Uh, the best staple uh, outside of Hammerspark, I think right now as it stands, is the the 1.5 Vmon, the, the jamming Vmon. That is the the one card that you're going to be putting in literally every single base of every single blue deck that you ever build moving forward. 
like bar none, 100%. It's one of the best cards in the game right now, and it's one of the best cards that you are a fool to not include in your blue deck. Yeah, weirdly, for all that we've talked about how blue tends to be a little bit sort of manipulative, it can also be quite aggressive, and that ability to get a very safe jamming attack in right away is just so, Mm. so good. Jam jamming is a godsend for blue, honestly, because even when we're talking about like old blue Omni and 1.0, I always felt so worried to attack with my one eleven thousand metal Garurumon because there are so many opportunities for it to just die in security for me to just waste my stack, and I was getting so paranoid all the time. And then in comes Imperial Jamon, and they give me all these Digimon with jamming, and I'm just swinging like it's no one's business. <laughs> uh, jamming is so much fun. <laughs> Yeah, other than that, I think um I think Staples and Blue um right now especially um Grizzlymon the blocker because we uh a lot of colors got secondary blockers so far in like starter decks and in the new set. Uh Blue still does not have access to that right now, so Grizzlymon's still a, a staple as far as I'm concerned. Uh XVmon to complement your Vmon as well is a pretty big staple. Uh especially if you're playing a rush style deck, which some blue decks tend to be because you do have a lot of your ability to manipulate your memory allows you to get more bodies on board relatively quickly. So you do a lot of blue decks do play a very quick rush style strategy. Uh, half of blue is t- packed into pretty much every rookie rush deck that we see nowadays as well. Yeah. Um, and of course, as you said, Hammersfuck would be the other biggest, probably staple. I don't know that I've seen a blue list that doesn't include Hammersfuck, which probably tells you all no, you really no. need to know. And, and nowadays, especially, um, I think uh, Kakaitis Breath is definitely creeping up there to become a blue staple uh, relatively quickly. Yeah, I've seen a bit of a resurgence on that. I know that it wasn't played as much, at least that I saw early on 1.0, 1.5. Like people would play it, but it felt like they were playing it just because there were no other options. Whereas it does seem to have had a weird kind of resurgence recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's definitely, uh, it helps a lot against the yellow matchup with War Greymon because uh, you can bounce those uh, Valder arms back to the hand and not give your opponent the extra three memory for destroying it. Yeah, which is quite nice and sometimes even though they get it back to hand sometimes just interrupting the tempo is going to be enough like sometimes Mm -hmm. you just need to slow the opponent down rather than necessarily get rid of something permanently Uh, another blue staple i failed to mention is uh davis uh davis definitely kind of changed the game for blue decks as well um not just for imperial Dramon, but blue decks in general because that um extra layer of consistency again goes hand in hand with like that draw power uh, as well that uh definitely gave blue a boost it didn't necessarily need but definitely a boost that it it definitely enjoys oh definitely being able to pick up sort of choose a blue digimon from the top three is really nice you'll yeah usually be getting especially one and possibly even two choices which is really cool getting to pick the best thing for the situation is very useful. Yeah, if if any of your viewers are familiar with uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, it's uh, very akin to a card called Pot of Duality, which was uh, very expensive and very popular for a long time back in like 2011. God, I just aged myself. <laughs> but but what but Pot of Duality let you do is it let you look at the top three cards of your deck, add one of them to your hand, and then you shuffle the other two back in. And it was very good because it allowed you to look at what your next potential draws could be, and then that way you could just, instead of... Uh, taking any chances with RNG, you would just literally add exactly what you needed in that moment. And and Davis really reminds me of that because it's such a strong, powerful card in the sense that it allows me to kind of uh, skip 
randomness and instead pursue like complete control of what I can actually see in my deck. And prior to Davis, the only memory tamer that we had that would give us three every turn was Matt. And that wasn't nearly as powerful as what Davis brought to the table. No, I very rarely saw people using the other effect of Matt. It seemed to be there just because they wanted a memory tamer, and that was blues. I couldn't even tell you off the top of my head what Matt's other effect is. That's how little I see it. <laughs> it was if you if you hard played a blue Digimon from your hand, you could suspend him to take away yeah. a source. Okay, but that rarely came up, uh, especially in something like Blue Omni, which didn't really care much about source control. There were some variants that did. But in this case specifically, you were just kind of paying for for the sake of not getting choked out for the rest of the game. But sometimes that four cost sets you back so much in tempo, whereas Davis, even though you're paying four, you're still getting something for it. And you're getting rewarded for it. And it makes hit, being hit in security so much more powerful as well. Oh, the um, The number of games recently that I've managed to turn around because my opponent will hit Davis in security and I'm running in my Imperial Dramon deck at the moment, running Lobomon and uh, what's the other one? Kendo Garurumon, the hybrids. So that mm-hmm, actually mm-hmm. just turned into that last little extra attack. And I did want to ask you how you feel about blue's one of the two colors at the moment. I think red being the other one that has access to those hybrids. Uh, how do you feel about those, that sort of realm being added to blue, that ability to digivolve off a t- off of a tamer oh man i love the hybrid engine i absolutely love it um i have just been tearing up my locals with my imperial german hybrid deck it's been fantastic i absolutely love the concept because um your tamers are essentially rookies that exist in a separate raising area now and your opponent can't interact with them and it's so much more powerful because it dodges so much extra stuff that may be like sneakily hiding in security and it's just it feels so good to just have a lobo in your hand and you're just waiting it's almost like the new age xv mon right it just kind of snipes games out of nowhere but i do i do love the mechanic of them and i love the lore of them as well and i can't wait to see where they kind of take hybrid support in the future we've already got the green hybrid support announced uh for bt6 i believe And uh, BT7 was announced to have all Frontier support, so we actually might get hybrids in all the colors now, which is actually really exciting. That would be really exciting, but I'm not looking forward to having yet another thing that I'm going to have to be thinking about and worrying about all the the, time in every color matchup. Yeah, I I will concede, now with the existence of hybrids, uh, it makes measuring the game state that much more difficult because if you're playing against any deck that currently has hybrid support and which in this case it's only red or blue thankfully if as long as they ever have one single tamer in play you always have to treat that as if they have an extra attack so like you you're never completely safe and although on one hand that's kind of distressing on the other hand it's also really exciting because that just adds another layer of um, strategy to the game as well which i really enjoy Oh, so we've talked about, you know, a bit about what Blue's trying to do. We've talked about those cards that you'll probably want to think about including when you're building your blue deck. I did also want to touch on um, the ratios for a blue deck because I find that the um, the level ratios tend to be different across different colors. Purple being a particular outlier, those ratios are always all over the place. But even yeah. like in some of the more standard colors, they tend to be a little bit different from color to color. So what do you think are the standard ratios for a blue deck? What do you tend to build? Well, the first thing you want to ask yourself is, does my deck rely on a level seven? 
If it relies on level 7, then you have to adjust your ratios to compensate for the entire line of Digivolution that you'd want to include so you can get to your level 7 as soon as possible. So in the case of Blue Omni, for example, my golden ratio was kind of 14 level 3s, uh, 11 to 12 level 4s, 7 to 9 level 5s, uh, maybe 6 to 7 level 6s, and then I would include my level 7s. And then if I had space for options and tamers, then I would take that route. But we're seeing less and less reliance on these level 7s, so now I feel like you can kind of bring everything down a bit. So now I find the golden rule uh, for rookies is not necessarily 14 exactly, but maybe like 12 to 14, because we have a lot of cheaper champions in the format as well. Uh, and for blue specifically, we just got Tobiumon, which is the uh, level uh, level four, but it's three cost to play or one cost to evolve. So you can essentially treat it as a quote unquote rookie, because that's how much you would pay as memory to play Heartblade in the first place. But I still think 11 to 12 level fours is golden. Um, seven to nine level fives is still golden as well. I think eight is probably the perfect number uh, in most decks. But now, depending on what your top end is, like in the case of Imperial, for example, you're only playing the four Imperial. So you're only playing the four level sixes. But in a case of like um, something like the Zed Gurumon deck that you're kind of seeing popping around now, they want to play you know multiple level sixes because they want to play Plessio as well as the Zed Gurumon themselves. So it, it really depends on what your win condition is, I believe, and what kind of your goal of your deck is trying to be. Because at that point, you can adjust the numbers of your Digimon to make sure that you include options and to make sure you can also include tamers where necessary. So in this case, for example, like every blue deck, like we said, you're always including four hammer spark no matter what. But sometimes, depending on your win condition, you might want to include other options. Uh, like we said, most blue decks want to play, you know, a couple copies of Davis, at least two to three to make sure they can round it out their consistency to see their Davis as soon as possible. But depending on what your win condition is, maybe you want other tamers. Uh, the Galgamon line, for example, that was just released in BT4, they want to play stuff like Thomas. Uh, if you look at an Ulforce Vidramon deck back in 1.5, they want to play multiple tamers. You know, they want yeah. to play Rena and Ties and everything like that. So... I have a quote-unquote golden ratio for what I feel is, is good for pretty much all most colors as a whole, again, excluding purple. <laughs> but I find with blue specifically, depending on what your win condition is or what you actually want to build your deck around, you can adjust those ratios to make room for other cards that are conducive to what that win condition is going to be. But I, I think I think the golden rule of like 14, 11, 7, 7... And then whatever you want to include for level sixes or level seven, sorry, is probably the way to go for sure. Definitely, and I'll try to include that in the show notes as well, just for anybody who's maybe maybe is starting out and looking to build blue and likes would like a jumping off point. I think that's probably a really good one, and you're going to get a pretty good level of consistency with those numbers, I would think. Mm. Some some blue decks in Japan actually went upwards of playing sixteen rookies at one point as well, which I don't yeah. disagree with. But because, again, like we mentioned earlier, a lot of blue decks kind of early on were very um, reliant on a rush strategy. So yeah. they just wanted to play as many small bodies that they could get onto the board as quickly as possible. But, yeah, just uh, I always find that whatever my my smallest level is, every time I go up a level, I always kind of reduce that number just by like one or two. So I can theoretically have an opening hand of one of every level. That's kind of what my I'm aiming to do with every every blue deck specifically that I build. Awesome. Um, 
so I keep I keep saying awesome. It is awesome. Blue is such a it's such a good color. And hearing about um, all the things that you can do is always a lot of fun. I'm really glad that we've got enough cards now that we can do this kind of thing and actually have a bit more of an in depth discussion. Because I was I've been thinking about doing well, something like this all the way back in 1.0, but you know, all the colors had well, mostly the same colors back then. Well, just to use an example, like in my current Imperial German list, like I said, I'm using the hybrid engine as well. Yeah. I'm actually playing five tamers. So I can I can fully take advantage of that engine as well. And so I, I had to make some yeah, I had to make some concessions there to kind of make room for that, but I'm definitely happy with the results that I've been getting so far. I'm just trying to think what the tamers would be. Davis, naturally. But I'm trying to think. I'm playing three Davis and, and two of the uh, starter deck mat. Oh, where if your yes. opponent has something without a source, you gain an extra memory at the start of your turn. And I found that with yellow running around, because they have that effect with the Andrew Woman where they play a card from their hand for free, uh, that mat is going to be triggering way more often now because people are going to be in so many. There's so many more situations this format where cards are being put into play through other effects so they don't have sources. Yeah, definitely got to keep an eye on those older cards. They sometimes come around on you, and sometimes something that wasn't good at the time does end up actually getting a bit stronger as things change. But mm-hmm. and and get, getting to start your turn with four and sometimes five is really powerful because that means you have the ability to level up into your potential Imperial Jermon, and then you still might have one or two left whatever you know whatever hammer sparks you have in your hand to actually follow up with a Lobobon play to kind of clinch the game out as well. Awesome. So, I keep saying it. Anyway, the strongest blue decks at the moment. That's what I wanted to segue into so professionally. Um, We've talked a bit about what used to be strong, but what's kind of, what is blue running at the moment? What are the strongest blue decks in the current meta, do you think? I've seen about, I want to say four and a half, because the half is basically Rookie Rush. But uh, in terms of like the four strongest blue decks or the most represented blue decks that we're going to see, especially now with the new promos we got from the power-up packs, uh, we're definitely, Imperial Jermon is still something to watch for sure. Uh, A lot of people kind of thought that it would kind of go by the wayside as soon as we got BT4. Absolutely not. It is still a behemoth. It's still a threat to look out for. I think it actually won uh, the PPG regional uh, last weekend or two weekends ago, actually. So just to put that in your cap. But definitely Imperial Jermon. Um The new Ancient Gururumon deck, because uh, the new Lobomon promo that just came out that allows you to evolve into the Ancient Gururumon for dirt cheap, yeah. and then it's destroyed at the end of the turn. But since the Ancient Gururumon is uh, 13,000, it allows you to unsuspend all Gururumons when it attacks, including itself, which is very powerful. So it helps you just get a lot of big shots in, and then when it's destroyed, it... Uh, you get to play a hybrid from your hand, so you constantly keep that board presence. And you're you're taking advantage of that hybrid engine a bit more consistently than Imperial Dramon does, because while Imperial Dramon has it kind of as a, a bonus, the, the Ancient Gurumon deck plays it as its entire backbone, which is very powerful as well. Um, there are other two other blue decks, I think, that are going to see a lot of competitive play this format. And uh, it's called the Good Stuff deck, quote-unquote, and it revolves around... Um, I'm going to get this name wrong... <laughs> But uh, it's the big Colacanth Digimon. Regalecusmon? There you go. Yep, that's the one. I'm not, I'm not even going to try, but you got it for me. But yeah, the whole... Uh, we'll go with yeah, the, the one that lets you take away a source yeah. and then you get to draw a card as a result. And that combos super well with other cards that we discussed earlier that you know would uh, lend to the whole source control Um Wind condition in blue as well, and so other cards that are staples in that specific 
uh, form of, of blue deck building that we didn't discuss, or something like the promo Gomamon from the 0, 0.0 pack, where if you remove a source, you get to gain a memory. Something like the uh, the starter deck Gabumon, where on attack declaration, you get to take a source away from something that's level 5 or lower. Uh, just in BT4 also, we got the uh, new uh, Bukamon, which is uh, on attack declaration, you get to take away a source from anything level 4 or lower. So there's there's that kind of deck is really powerful because it's built specifically around source manipulation. And, and hindering your opponent's ability to kind of take advantage of their inheritable effects. And the final deck that's going to see a lot of competitive play is uh, similar. It's another kind of like blue toolbox deck. Yeah. And that uses a lot of powerful Digiburst abilities as well, including things like Mock Gaugamon and Zed Gururumon yeah. to kind of keep returning your opponent's uh, Digimon back to their hand without having to use those uh, extra options. So you constantly keep putting them back, keep kind of... Uh, interrupting their tempo and everything like that some definitely some things to look out for there uh the zigurumon deck especially i've started to see that crop up a little bit just in the last couple of even days i think i've started seeing lists being put up and people trying to use zigurumon one of one of those cards that i kind of passed over when i was first looking at the uh, yeah yeah i definitely slept on it as well i'm not gonna lie but i guess uh, some people who are clearly much cleverer than I am took a look at it and saw the potential that it could have. Another sleeper card for blue. Another sleeper card for blue that I think a lot of people are, are passing over is uh, Mirage Gaugamon. And I say yeah. passing over because it's literally like you can get him for like a buck. It, it's so <laughs> cheap. He's the cheapest SR in the set. Wow. But uh, for every four cards in your opponent's hand, his evolution cost is reduced by one, and he's normally four to evolve. And he's just, he's straight unblockable. That's his passive effect. Which is pretty good. Like... Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's one of those cards that like, if you're not paying attention enough, you could potentially lose to it. Oh, especially in, in decks like the currently very popular yellow war gray where you're running your own security down quite low if you're not careful <laughs> like you can set up all the blockers you mm-hmm. like but if you're down to zero security and they drop a mirage galgamon you're in serious trouble yeah that's exactly why i say that i think that's yeah. that's a sleeper card for that particular matchup that i think a lot of people are overlooking right now definitely one to keep an eye on i played against a mirage gargamon deck at my locals just the other day actually managed to take Mm -hmm. out the win but they were doing some really really cool stuff managed to lock me i was getting a lot of rookies out they managed to lock me down by dropping a very very timely uh shakalmon coupled Mm -hmm. up with a Mm -hmm. what's the card uh desperado blaster is that yeah where you get get removed the the the, yeah, where you remove the the two sources from everything, everyone, right? Yeah, so they removed all my sources, locked me with Shakalmon, and then had the Mirage Gargamon to just beat my face in with unblockable attacks. It was brutal. Yeah, no, uh, that's what I'm saying. There, there's so many avenues that you can take blue, and I feel like every variation of a blue deck is very powerful in their own right. Yeah, like looking back on the decks you just listed the um the, as the kind of best decks, looking over them, they seem there's a lot of variation there. Like the Imperial Dramon with the hybrids seems to play fairly differently from maybe your toolboxy blue deck versus the Regalekis deck. Like there's a lot of variation among the same color there. Yeah, and again, and that goes hand in hand with like what is your win condition, and that kind of determines what you want your ratios to look like. Yeah, definitely. Oh, some really really cool stuff that you can be doing 
with blue as we head into great legend and hopefully i'm not quite sure what's coming down the pipeline i try not to look too far ahead do you know is there anything in blue to look out for coming up in bt five battle of omni i uh, i do actually uh so the biggest blue de- um and i and i could be wrong because i don't really want to look too far to the future either but i know yeah. what i've been hearing a lot of is that the biggest blue deck to keep an eye out for is going to be hexa blaumon oh, and uh yes. well i'm not too familiar with his effect right now because i haven't read him in like four months <laughs> uh, i do know that he's very very heavy on the uh source strip mechanic and that uh, a lot of people are kind of picking up cards that work well with that sort of mechanic now, so that way they can already have them in hand as soon as he drops. Something, something very powerful to look forward to then in the in the coming set, which is always nice. It's mm-hmm. nice when your favorite color is getting a bit of support. Uh, yeah, and then we get like, and we get like seven thousand new Omnimons too. So, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> But uh, there is a there is a new Omnimon that can evolve over top of a blue, and I do remember what this one does, and I, I do really enjoy it because it costs four to evolve instead of six, and uh, if it would be destroyed or returned to the deck, you can actually remove one of its sources instead to protect it. Wow! That's so I, I think that's going to be an I think that's an asset for for blue decks for sure. Are we going back to the old days of blue Omni in every tournament? <laughs> Potentially, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I am known in my circles as someone who always plays an Omni deck. So when I've been fooling around with yellow, they say, what are you playing? And I say, oh, yellow Omni. <laughs> oh, I would love to see that. <laughs> I've got no idea what that would look like, but I would absolutely love to see that. All right. I think that brings us to the end. I think we've pretty deftly covered everything. Well, you have, and I've sort of nodded along. So thank you very much for uh, coming on and giving us your thoughts on blue, hopefully to our newer players listening and to our more enfranchised players as well. It's some stuff to think about and some more information maybe about the color, hopefully. Nice to sit down and really get in depth on a particular subset of cards. It really lets us, um, I think it really lets us learn learn a bit more and really, really think in kind of niche because so often you look at the whole package you look at all the cards available look at everything so i think sometimes it's nice to just narrow your focus and really get in detail on okay i'm only probably going to play one color anyway so let's really take a look at the colors i'm interested in and And i I definitely think blue is a blue is a very good color to start for new players as well because it kind of teaches you a lot of uh, base game mechanics and rudimentary game mechanics kind of all in one while also encouraging you to kind of take advantage of those powerful mechanics that blue gets specifically. So I think it's a good starting point for a lot of players. And, you know, coming from someone whose very first competitive deck was blue deck, I can tell you that it very much shaped how I played the game competitively. And uh, I really think it's a, it's going to be an asset for any new players jumping into the game as well. Alrighty, listeners, with that, you've heard enough from us, I'm sure. Uh, now, we would like to hear from you. So every week, uh, we do a listener question here, asking our listeners to get back to us. I don't know if you can think of anything off the top of your head. Otherwise, I've got one in the back of my mind. No, you you go right ahead. Excellent. Um, so, listeners, I would just like to know, what are your 
personal favorite blue cards. We've talked about some really awesome cards today that do some really, really cool stuff. But I want to know, is there something we didn't mention maybe that you think of when you think of blue? Is there some secret blue tech you're always running in your decks? Or even if you just take a look at digimoncard.dev and just have a quick look through and say, oh, I really like that art. That's my favorite blue card. Whatever it is, I would really, really love to hear about it. So tweet your answers at me or post them in our Memory Gauge Facebook group. Uh, Is there anywhere where our listeners can contact you? I'm sure they would love to. Uh, yeah, if uh, they are on Discord, they can find me. My name is Sanaku. That's S-Y-N-A-K-U. Uh, I'm always willing to, to chat with everyone. You can send me a friend request. I'll accept it right away. We can have a good chat. Uh, if you want to find me on YouTube, uh, you can find me at youtube.com slash C slash overground TCG. Uh, and we also are on Twitch. However, we're not quite as active there because my computer just can't quite handle streaming it, but I am working on it. But if you are interested in watching some box openings that we've done, or we did stream a big uh, 3v3 tournament that we hosted a couple weeks ago, it's uh, twitch.tv slash overground Sanaku. Awesome. Be sure to check those out, listeners. And if you have any questions, feedback, comments, or concerns for me, tweet at me at ConnorEFMG or email me at memorygagepodcast at gmail.com or join the Facebook group Memory Gauge Podcast. New episodes come out each and every week, so make sure to follow the Memory Gauge Podcast on your podcast service of choice and stay up to date. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Memory Gauge logging out. <laughs>